0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. I'd like to note that today's program is being brought to you with a little help from our friends. At about this exact moment in time, yours truly will, in reality, be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. No, I'm not going for the Steelers game. The Honorable Cyril Wecht will be hosting a conference at Duquesne University, examining some of the mysteries of the assassination of our thirty fifth president John F. Kennedy. And about this moment in time, in reality, a discussion should be finishing up with some people we've had on this program, including Lisa Pease, Jerry Polikoff, David Talbot, Russ Baker, and Jefferson Morley. We would refer you, dear listener, to our archives for interviews with all of those people because they generally make most worthy guests. In the aggregate, we've probably had them on for something like, I don't know, 16 different segments. The one person in that panel discussion we have not had on the program will be Oliver Stone, and I hope that by the time we meet again next week, we'll be able to correct that deficit. Hopefully, we'll be able to speak with Mr. Stone. His uh, his great movie, JFK, did uh, in its own minor way, did change American history just a little bit. And as I say, hoping we speak next time, I'll be able to bring you um, an interview with Oliver Stone. We also expect uh, somewhere at the finish this program to bring you Dr. Andy Opfel, a cohort of mine from years past, back in medical school days, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to chat with him in our third segment. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. Our date today is the 17th of October. It was on October 17th and 1448 that the Battle of Kosovo opened between the Ottomans and the combined force of Hungarians, Albanian, and Papal soldiers. During the following three days, the Ottomans crushed the Western army. And it was 203 years later, on October 17th in 1651, when having been defeated by Cromwell's forces, the Battle of what I guess is Worcestershire, the fugitive King Charles II escaped to France. This effectively ended the English civil wars. And 127 years later on this date, October 17th in 1777, big day for battles evidently, in a major turning point of the American Revolutionary War, besieged British General John Burgoyne surrendered 5,000 troops at Saratoga, New York. The American victory, and a little bit of lobbying by Ben Franklin I think, led to French recognition of U.S. independence, which changed everything. And 24 years ago today, October 17th, 1983, the deadliest earthquake to hit the San Francisco area since 1906 occurred. The quake measured 7.1 on the Richter scale, and its aftermath was witnessed on live television by millions of people. Yours truly just started a new job in Sacramento. As I looked across the hallway to see one of the uh, blood pressure cuffs swinging... I, too, noted to my surprise that we'd been hit by an earthquake because out here in the Central Valley, this is not particularly earthquake-prone. When the word came in that the epicenter was somewhere down near Santa Cruz, you knew it was a biggie. And sadly, that earthquake did kill 63 people and injured more than 3,000 others, damaged more than 100,000 buildings, and wrecked the elevated Cypress Structure Freeway in Oakland. Our quote of the day comes from Leonard Bernstein, who once said, To achieve great things, two things are needed. A plan and not quite enough time. Our quip of the day, and this one actually is a tweet. A first for this program. The quip tweet comes from Ronan Farrow. Mia Farrow's boy who, in the wake of his mom's interview with Vanity Fair, where she hinted that uh, Ronan may be Frank Sinatra's son and not Woody Allen's, Ronan airily commented in his tweet, Listen, we're all possibly Frank Sinatra's son. Yes, it is curious that Mia Farrow did note in Vanity Fair that, well, Frank and I I never really broke up. And I gotta say, if you look at a picture of Ronan, he certainly is the spitting image of old blue eyes. Woody Allen, for his part, called the rumor <laughs> Extravagantly absurd. <staff> I suppose the same could be said about marrying Ronan's sister, huh? No, and I think on a one-time basis for today's show, we're going to have a new category: the outrageous quote and outrageous quip. <laughs> the outrageous quote comes from Anatoly Grigoriev director of Moscow's Institute of Medical and Biological Problems. Asked to explain the reasoning behind a decision not to select any women to take part in a simulated 500-day mission to Mars, Grigoryev said, Women are fragile and delicate creatures. That is why men should lead the way to distant planets and carry women there in their strong hands. And our outrageous quip of the week comes from the now-departed ultra-Orthodox rabbi Ovadia Yosef, who passed away last week. Yosef once led Israel's Sephardic Jews and founded the influential Shas Party, who was designed to speak for working-class Jews from the Middle East, who had less clout in Israel than Ashkenazic Jews from Europe. The outrageous quip comes from a sermon he gave in 2010, in which he said that non-Jews were born only to serve us, Our anecdote for today is as follows. At a tedious social function, the hostess anxiously inquired of the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw, Are you enjoying yourself, Mr. Shaw? Indeed, responded Shaw. There is no one else here to enjoy. Our joke of the day was sent to us by Don, noting that earlier this week we had Columbus Day. Don wrote in to say it was a little known fact that after Columbus first landed in the Western Hemisphere, the first thing he decided to do was hold a mattress sale. Our stat of the day, according to the Wall Street Journal, is that wealth disparity has soared in Russia to the point where 35% of the entire country's wealth now rests in the hands of just 110 people. In that the journal is quoting from the Credit Suisse. So I wonder where this puts Russia in the Gini index, which I know some of you put great stock in. All right, it was apparently a good week last week for life-imitating art. The art in this case being the grade B sci-fi movie of the 1950s In the nuclear engineers in southeastern Sweden have been wrestling with a giant swarm of jellyfish that forced the shutting down of the world's largest boiling water nuclear reactor. The plant's operator said that over the weekend, a huge cluster of moon jellyfish clogged the cooling water intake pipes at the Okersham nuclear power plant on the Baltic. And no, we, we don't believe the jellyfish forming anything to do with the fact that it was a nuclear power plant. We furthermore have no evidence of any sighting of large reptiles off the Baltic coast tearing down power lines, etc. According to the Week magazine, it was a bad week last week for sinners after Republican Representative Michelle Bachman told a talk radio show host that President Obama's decision to send arms to some Syrian rebels, whom she calls terrorists, proved he was on Al-Qaeda's side and was in fact a sign that, quote, we are in God's end times. Bachman then added, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, his day is at hand. Now, Not being a fundamentalist, Bible-thumping nut myself, I had to look up what Maranatha was. And after going to Wikipedia, I'm pretty satisfied that uh, they're not sure what the hell it means. Which, um, let's face it, is just about perfect for Michelle Bachman, isn't it? And there was an ugly week last week for childhood, with the news that a Long Island, New York school has banned footballs, baseballs, and games of tag from school grounds to prevent students from getting hurt during recess. Weber Middle School officials (laughs) say too many kids have gotten bumps, scrapes, and head injuries. Students are not happy, saying they need to have some fun at recess. Said one, we're in school all day, sitting behind the desk learning. Well, I'm not so sure about that. But I do think there are worse things in the world than getting an occasional bump and scrape during recess. Don't you, my dear listener? And finally, it was an ugly and bad week last week for, I don't know, Americans with decency, with the news that Dick Cheney, former Vice President Dick Cheney, got roasted at a gathering of old Bush administration allies. Apparently, waterboarding jokes dominated the evening. And here's the part I like best. It was, said one attendee, a very sentimental night. Yes, nothing quite evokes nostalgia. <laughs> is Looking back at the good old days of waterboarding, wouldn't you say? All right, uh, let's do a few items from a calendar here. It appears that our good pal, Mr. Will Durst, will be appearing at the Feather Falls Casino and Lodge up in Oroville on Wednesday, October 23rd. Mr. Durst, of course, provides comedy for people who read or know someone who does. I know that perhaps some of you here in Davis will want to attend that, and and some of our listeners up in Chico at KZFR may also want to attend it. And we do like to plug Mr. Durst in this regard, because he does provide us on this program on a weekly basis with some pretty good comedy stylings. We're far from the only ones who consider him to be America's foremost political comic. And it might also be worth plugging the fact that the Community Center Theater in Sacramento is bringing the Gershwin Experience on Saturday, October 9th, two shows, 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. And uh, this one kind of hits me because on last week's program, as can sometimes happen to to any of us under the best of circumstances, the Flower Vato, who follows this program, gave me a call to say he was going to be a bit late, which put this correspondent in the unusual position of having to be a KDVS disc jockey. Now, this station has quite a, uh, a large selection of, of CDs and vinyl, so I went back into the stacks to, uh, to pull something and discovered, rather to my horror, that when I went actually to the Gershwin section, uh, well, they didn't have a very wide selection. But I was able to find something to play, and I thought, well, you know, who's my favorite guy? Paul Simon's pretty tough to beat, so I went over to the S's to discover that we had a pretty measly Paul Simon selection as well. So I think that uh, as part of the Pledge Drive come this f- spring, I'm going to have to donate a copy of Graceland uh, to KDBS. <laughs> yes, so we have one of the great uh, CDs of the past, uh, I think, quarter century available in case anybody wants to play it, and I, and I hope at some point someone will. It was a wonderful collaboration between Paul Simon and Lady Smith Black Mombazo. And I hope there's not a prejudice against it at this station because. It was so popular. It was popular because it was good. And while I'm mentioning phone calls, I I should point out that an alert listener at the conclusion of last week's program called to say that I had incorrectly identified the clip from Dr. Strangelove as a scene originating in the White House boardroom. It was in fact at Burpleson Air Force Base somewhere in near Alaska. And it's true. The original selection I I'd wanted to use uh, was changed for better audio of that particular memorable clip of uh, Jack D. Ripper talking about the pollution of our precious bodily fluids. I'm sure in some future installment we'll play the interaction between President Muffley and General Turgensen <laughs> for your listening pleasure. All right, let's do some mail. We did receive an email from um, someone who's co-authored a report which was forwarded to me, which reportedly shed some new light on the hoax of global warming. I'm uh, going to look that one over. On first inspection, it appears to contain some information that's provocative and could be true, along with some other information which is just flat out wrong. And we'll talk about the, uh, the imprecision of climate forecasting here in a moment. But uh, for a letter I really like, we're going to have to go over to Ngayo Bilem's column from the Sacramento News and Review, someone wrote him a while back to say, hey, I heard California just legalized hemp production. Is it true? To which Ngaio responded, yes, Governor Jerry Brown did indeed sign Senate Bill 566, allowing farmers to grow hemp. He quoted from the author of the bill, State Senator Mark Leno, who said that with the signing of this bill, California's poised to grow industrial hemp when the federal government gives states the green light. In the past year, the conversation to legalize the cultivation of hemp has gained momentum at the federal level, and it's only a matter of time before a farmer's right to grow hemp is restored. To which we at Radio Parallax would like to add, we certainly hope so. Hemp has been a a wonderful, uh, renewable resource over the years, a first-class fiber, and it's very unfortunate that it got got, uh, caught up in the whole controversy over cannabis. Uh, Hemp is not marijuana. And I know this with some certainty from a clinical trial performed by numerous Davis undergraduates back in the 1970s. A rather large stand of hemp was being grown out in the rich fields west of town, and we went out there with large paper bags and brought home lots and lots of the green leafy material, what little of it there was. (laughs) and I can assure you, dear listener, that nobody got high off that stuff. So uh, we do hope that hemp production can... uh, can resume here in the U.S. of A. There's also another letter I've been sitting on because I just don't know what to do with it, but it's, I've been sitting on it since March of 2012. It was sent to the News and Review in response to an article by Kel Munger titled, Catholics and Birth Control. And the, the reasoning, such as it is, of the author is so curious that I, I, just, I just think it, it bears quoting. Said Rod, who was writing in from Roseville, Newsflash, the Catholic Church is not governed by Polls as in your 58 to 62% of American Catholics approve, it would not matter if 99% held some opinion. The church teaches and leads from the top down. If a so-called Catholic wants to be in a church where the congregation leads, there are thousands of other denominations to choose from. He goes on, The Catholic magisterium is the oldest continuously existing authority in the world today. There may be some Orthodox Jewish groups that could challenge that claim. He goes on, obviously it's not hard to find some rebellious, quote, Catholics, unquote, whom you quote liberally in your article, who know better what Jesus taught and meant than the church magisterium. I am a committed Catholic, and I support my pastor, bishop, all the way up to my beloved pope. If an individual Catholic chooses to be their own final authority versus the established church hierarchy, then they've done what every Protestant has done for the past 500 years, set themselves up as their own pope. He goes on to talk about Obamacare and the First Amendment and secular humanism. And now he personally has no respect for Mr. Obama as our president. But I think this article has some merit. In fact, I think here at Radio Parallax, we need to set ourselves up as our own pope. Mr. McMillan? Yes, we now feel that the Parallax Magisterium is the youngest continuously existing authority in the world today. We're going to go forward with it. Something we hope does not go forward is um, an unhappy outcome at the Texas State Board of Education. It's going to meet next month to decide whether creationism is going to get a section in biology textbooks. Peace and New Scientist quotes Dan Quinn of the Texas Freedom Network. as noting that since Texas is the second largest state purchaser of school books behind California, versions sold in that state would likely be sold in other states too. Quinn said Texas could contaminate the education products sold in the rest of the country. (sighs) We'll try and watch that one. Here's some other sad items. The United States Army has spent $32 billion since 1995 on advanced weapons that were canceled before they could be built. These include the Comanche helicopter. It turned out most of the weapons turned out to be too complex for ordinary battlefield use. Yeah, we may never have used them, but we still spent $32 billion on them. Is there anything worse than that? Maybe not, but here's something that might tie it. Apparently the war on drugs isn't doing too well. On October 5th issue of New Scientist notes that illegal drugs are now cheaper and purer than at any time in the past 20 years. The International Center for Science in Drug Policy has analyzed data from seven international drug surveillance systems, and says the street price of drugs, such as heroin and cocaine, have fallen since 1990, even as their potency has increased. Let's go back to this weapon system thing. Apparently, the the costliest weapon system in U.S. history, which is the stealth F-35 Joint Strike Fighter, which is supposed to become the main tactical jet for the Air Force, Navy, and Marines, apparently has more than 360 quality issues that could, quote, adversely affect aircraft performance, unquote. That's according to the Defense Department's Inspector General. And of course, what's the solution to that? Well, resolving those problems will drive up the program's manufacturing costs, which have already ballooned up to $392 billion, 70% above the original estimate projected from 12 years ago. The total operating costs of the long overdue program, now expected to launch in 2018, are pegged at, are you sitting down? $857 billion. That's billion, with a B, for a fighter jet with 360 quality issues that could adversely affect aircraft performance. All right, we're up against the break here. Let's do a couple more uh, (laughs) kind of negative items and get them out of the way. Like this one, apparently a 16-year-old girl in foster care in Nebraska has been denied an abortion after the state's Supreme Court ruled she wasn't mature enough to opt for the procedure and should give birth instead. Yes, apparently she's not mature enough to decide that she's not mature enough to be a mother. The Supreme Court justices think she should just go ahead and be a mother. In this case, the teenager had asked a judge to waive the state's requirement she obtained parental consent arguing that her biological parents' rights had been terminated after abuse and that her strongly religious foster parents would refuse to consent to an abortion. The girl said she didn't have the ability to, quote, be the right mom that I would like to be right now, unquote. A district judge's refusal to grant the waiver was upheld by the Supreme Court. Wow. And uh, how about this one? Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, who generally makes... uh, the list of the worst leaders in the world, uh, decided to make it illegal to applause in public because apparently uh, his opponents were clapping ironically during his speeches. His solution was to make it illegal to applaud in public. The state authorities then arrested a one-armed man and accused him of applauding. Apparently, Constantine Kaplan got rounded up by the police along with hundreds of others and was charged with applauding in public, despite the fact that he has only one arm. This uh this has earned Lukashenko the Ignoble Peace Prize for twenty thirteen. Let's take a break and talk about some of our own political leadership here in America, which I would note that if you can't wait to see mister Wildurst uh till the twenty third in Oroville, he will be doing his Boomer show in Nevada City on Saturday and Sunday. And you I'm sure can find out where that's gonna be on um, Uh, by going on the web. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. We got lots more. Don't go away.